And um, I've been really being, I've been stirred by the Holy Spirit early this morning. Woke up early, prayer. I've been here busy talking to many people, just like it was a flow into my office. And I just felt like everybody that walked in my office received something very unique from the Lord because of the anointing that God has placed on me uh, this morning. I'm praying that this anointing is a continuous thing, uh, 365 days out of the year. I, I'm believing that this, this is something, but it's very unique what he's doing right now. And I want to share with every one of you um, that when I begin to teach, I want you to understand and receive it as a prophetic word. I want you to receive it as this is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's something I've studied something I have studied Greek, Hebrew, uh, looked up a lot of different things, but this is a prophetic word to the church. It's not just to our church, it's to the world. This is going to be going out to a lot of our churches that, uh, that get educational help uh, from us, and uh, we're going to be setting this out to Africa. We're going to be uh, setting out to Cambodia, the Philippines, you name it, uh, where we have touched um, I really sensed also, I, I, I brought to Pastor Dan, I felt this the first service, but I held back because I, I, I so trust Pastor Dan in uh, what he does uh, when he comes up on the platform that I really try not to input because I know he hears from God too and God speaks to him in the way that he speaks to Pastor Dan. So I'm having you stand because I, I want you to recognize that the story that he told you about the Pula Bethesda, um, I told him earlier today, I said, I said, it's like God is stirring that pool again. And the story is that many who were sick and uh, lame were around the pool, and of course the first one that went in, this is kind of Old Testament type of things, uh, went in, they were healed. And um, when I was in Israel, I stood at that pool and the five porches, they called them. And I stood there. And the whole time I was there, I was, I was weeping. And I'm fighting my emotion right now because I could really sense that anointing still. I really could sense that healing power. What God is doing right now, he's stirring the pool in this world. And the church is now being asked to give, give everything they got and step in to this pool. Valley Community Church, you have heard the word of God. You have heard God. You have become very obedient to the things of the Lord, and you are, are pursuing the things of God. That's why the Lord, the beginning of the year, gave me ready, set, go. And uh, I could actually say to Valley in many instances, you are ready, you are set, come on, let's go. But some of us here and some of the new folks welcome you. It's so great that you're here. But uh, some of us need to get ready. We need to know what this is. And the message that I'm um, giving you today is going to stir. Not, it, the pot is being stirred. The pool's being stirred. This world is being stirred. God's doing something very unique. When you step into it, you will sense and know the things of God. He's going to do amazing things in and through you. 
But prophetically, I'm speaking to you, and I'm, I'm going to be very strong today. Okay, everyone just hear me. I just know I, I love you. I love you, but I, you know, I have to stand before God. And if I stand before God and say, but God, you know, I didn't want to just bother anybody's emotions. I didn't want to hurt any feelings, you know. He'd say, dude, man, what did I call you to do? So I'm going to um, be very forthright, but it's going to be prophetic. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing at Valley, what you're doing in our city, what you're doing in our state and in our world. Lord, especially our country. In Jesus' name, I come against the opposite of what you're doing in our world, and I come against Hades. I come against the very gates of hell. And I say, open up and release those that are in bondage. Father, I thank you. You've ordered us to begin Freedom Ministries the next two years. Lord, I thank you. It's not just a program, but it's a Holy Spirit-led thing that will bring freedom to people who love you, who love your word, but have struggled, and the gates of hell have held them back. And Lord, today, release the revelation of who we are in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Just high-five someone before you're seated. God bless you. Now, I was, uh, during the first service when that happened, uh, Jeremy jumped in and, and he just uh, went ahead and began to type all the, put together all the songs and then my notes and then also told me that he also gave you the answers. So don't cheat and go before me. <laughs> just stay with me and let's enjoy what the Lord is going to bring to us today. This message is not for the faint-hearted. It is for those who know you are called by God. How many of you know you're called of the Lord? Amen. Not many of you. I need to preach on that. But how many of you know you're called of God? Amen. Amen. You have or are developing a teachable spirit. If you do not have a teachable spirit, and you are not developing that, then you are deciding that you do not want to learn. You do not want to grow. You do not want what God has for these, the beginning of these end times. But if that is you, and now today you desire to have that teachable spirit, what you just need to do is say, yes, I want that, and now begin to learn through the Word of God of what that means, and get the CD when I taught on the teachable spirit uh, couple last or last week. Now, if you are developing a teachable spirit and have decided, I'm going to do it God's way, let me just tell you, you're going to win. You will win because God already won and he's asking us to come into the pool. He's asking us to come into what he has already done and things that he's stirring, what the Holy Spirit is doing. This message is from the series that I'm doing, Ready, Set, Go, but it's called Built for War. And I'm going to be teaching on this uh, for a couple weeks. Today I'm going to show you what it is, I'm going to show you who you are, and then the next time together I'm going to show you how do you impact others and how do you make it happen 
in your life. It's called built for war. And the goal that the Lord is wanting is this, to, uh, to understanding the true identity and mission of the church in the world. God is wanting you and God is wanting me to understand our identity and our mission as a church. You are the church. Valley Community Church, this building is a building, but you are the church. You are a, a, a holistic church as a, as a church around the world, but also you are Valley Community and also you are you, your individual call and who you are. God has set it apart, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has given you and I victory and the ability to walk in the call of God that we have. Now as we begin to move into this, I want to give you some information here. When you have a teachable spirit, you understand your identity in God's kingdom, so then what happens is the automatic thing that takes place is outreach, or you go beyond yourself touching other lives. A believer is one that touches other lives. It just doesn't go to church and try to fix themselves and try to just, everything's for them. When you become teachable, when you become this person that is teachable, shame has no place in your life then. And because there is no shame, then you have an ability to walk in an anointing and a power, and listen to this, we're going to talk about this, you walk in an authority that you can defeat every work of the enemy. The enemy has no authority over you. The most powerful place in the world is the church because we carry the authority of Jesus Christ. What God is doing is he's stirring, not that he's, oh, I'm going to finally give you authority. Oh, because, oh, okay, you prayed, I'm going to give you. No, he's already given us authority through the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the stripes upon his back, and that resurrection. He sits on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you, proclaiming who you are to the Father. Not what you've done, but who you are. Not your sin, but who you are, your identity. And he proclaims that, and what he's asking us to do in stirring that pool again, he's not stirring it to give you something, he's stirring it so that you could recognize something. The pool of Bethsaida, the water was stirred, they saw it, and they all tried to crawl or whatever they could do to get to the water first. They noticed something. So what I am saying to you is I want you today to notice something. I want you to recognize something that is so powerful that you are the church, that you have authority, that you have the ability to do everything God has called you to, bar none. And we do not measure what we can do based upon how good we are. We measure it based upon how good God is and that his word is true. Speaking of the church, though, in America, it's going to change, though because it's stirring, there are 200 million non-church people in America. Each year, 3,500 churches close 
in the United States of America. Did you know that only 20% of Americans populate, or American uh, population attend church? Now, polls, you'll see a lot of polls out there that tell you that 40% of the people in America attend church. But I want to tell you, 50% of those people that said to the poll, yeah, we attend church, are lying. So this is what I believe. I'm speaking to you prophetically. In the beginning of the end times, the Holy Spirit is being poured out, and the church around the world is destined for victory. That person that you've been believing for, that spouse, that child, that parent, that uncle, aunt, brother, or sister that you've been believing for, you're going to begin to see huge victory quickly. They're going to begin to come to church. They're going to begin to see the anointing and the power of God. The Bible tells us how to win, but the Bible also tells us how to stay relevant. A lot of times we think that being relevant is having the right programs and the right things that people are drawn to, but if you want to impact the world to be relevant, that you must understand that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. If Jesus Christ is not preached, if Jesus Christ is only preached to get something, then it is a wrong doctrine. And what God is saying now, I'm, I'm stirring the pool, and you need to jump in. And when you jump in and you begin to grab a hold of the truth of who you are, then those things that have bound you up, those things that have hurt you, those things that you struggle with, the things that, that are going on in your life that hurt you, no longer will have a power over you because when you understand who you are, you will take the authority and you will defeat the enemy. Here's, here's my ultimate goal. I'll say this a couple times today. My ultimate goal is, maybe this is a little relevant, but my ultimate goal is this, is to help you, to equip you to defeat the enemy and kick some satanic behind. I believe the church around the world, though, has forgotten who they are. We've forgotten who we are. Because many Christians are not functioning in their true identity. God's blessings are passing them by, and today's culture is rejecting them. We can be re relevant to the world, but you know how we are relevant to the world? It's not just with music. It's not just with contemporary things. How you become relevant with the world is how Jesus became relevant with the world he came to. Miracles and healing and the power of God moving in his life. When we become relevant in, in the world is when we're going to begin to see the power of God move and why people are drawn, why young people are drawn to the church is because of the miraculous. They want something true. Because they're reading all a bunch of Twitter and all kinds of stuff, blogs, that have no study at all, and they're just telling the kids, the young people, things that are not true, and because they hear it everywhere they look, they hear it everywhere they read, they believe that's true. And when we get up and say God loves them, they don't even believe it. 
But I tell you, when, the, when their uncle or their aunt is suffering with cancer and they go in for surgery and the uncle or aunt uh, comes out of there because there was no cancer, because someone went in there with the power and the authority of God and prayed and healing took place, then they're going to say there's something about this God. It's, he's going to become relevant to them. When they're going to school and they're struggling and and all kinds of things are going wrong, and, and they graduate, and they can't find a job, and all of a sudden, they begin to just pray, and someone agrees in prayer with them, and they get a job, and they begin to, to see God do great things and miraculous things. That God's going to be relevant to them. But the problem is the church has literally forgotten who they are, and because they've forgotten who they are, they're not ready, they're not set, and they don't know where to go. But when you get ready and you get set, then when you go, you will see the power of God move in many instances. But I'm going to show you what we need to do. So we have to go back to the Bible and we have to find out who we are. Let me ask you a question. It's kind of a foolish question, but I just need to ask this question. Would it be okay today if Jesus told us who we are? I need a, a response from you. Would it be okay today, we get in the Bible that Jesus told us who we are? In Matthew chapter 11, this is what Jesus Christ, you know, he begins to say about the church. Now realize that the church wasn't revealed until Acts chapter 2, but in, in the Old Testament and in the Gospels, uh, it was referred to. So every time he mentions the church, Jesus mentions the church, it's mentioned in context of war. You see around the world where hundreds of thousands of Christians have been murdered by ISIS. They've been murdered by people that believe that their call is to kill Christians because of their religious belief. In Matthew 11, verse 11 through 13, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. We, we today, we see all these wars and rumors of wars and nuclear war and war, 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 war. When we hear this, we have a tendency to want to turn this off. This is not talking about literal war, nuclear bombs, or whatever. This is talking about a spiritual war. And what God did. Now, prophetically, I'm speaking to you again. I'll say this a few more times. I want you to understand, God is reminding us of who we are and what he did and how he set it up for us to have victory in our own homes. John the Baptist's birth was the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, the New Covenant. Now, in the Gospels, they refer to the church, which begins on the day of Pentecost, but we need to understand Jesus, he is talking about ministry and the kingdom of God. In verse 12, it says, and from the days of John the Baptist 
until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. So basically what it's saying is from the time John the Baptist uh, was born, the Old Testament stopped, new covenant began, and Acts chapter 2, the church was revealed, and, and that's where we began to move as a church. But watch this. Now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now what it is, it is a transfer of the authority was just periodically the Holy Spirit came upon the prophets, the king, and the priest, and they would go and miracles would take place, and, and, and the, Hades, uh, the gates of Hades and hell were then defeated. But the reality now, according to John the Baptist on, according to God, now the authority was given to all people. The new covenant was given to you and given to me. So in this, in John the Baptist's birth, in his ministry, heaven was declaring a military offensive against the kingdom of hell. What he was doing was giving us the authority to defeat the works of the enemy. You and I, the church, have that authority. It's not may have the authority, might be able to do this thing, you have been given to it. Now, you may not use it, and the reason why most Christians don't use it is because they don't know what's there. They don't know their identity. So Jesus said, from the birth of John the Baptist till right now, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. Wait a minute, didn't you just say there's 3,500 churches closing every year? Yeah, you know why they're closing every year? It's because they're not preaching the gospel. They're not walking in accordance with the word of God and teaching the word of God like we do at Valley Community Church and many other uh, thousands and thousands of churches that believe the Word of God and are teaching the Word of God. I'm not saying that we're perfect. We're not. I'm not saying that I'm this great preacher. I, I'm not this great preacher. I'm just one who's in obedience to what God's asked me to do. You must understand the devil only responds to force. He won't give you an inch until you make him give it to you. When something goes awry in your life and you say, oh God, what am I going to do? I just need this. All of a sudden the enemy knocks on your door. Um, excuse me. I took this a long time ago from your grandpa and grandma. And I really feel bad now because you just talked to God. And uh, so here you go, have it back. That's not how this works. That's not how this works. You have to take it by force. You cannot live your life in fullness until you understand your ability in the spirit realm. In the Old Testament, the people were def defeated many times because of sin and no authority taken. In John the Baptist's ministry, Jesus references him as the first man of the New Testament who takes violence against the kingdom of hell. So let me now, in beginning this, that we are built for war, let me tell you there are four firsts that are talked about. And I'm going to show you the four firsts. First of all, John the Baptist is the first man who takes violence against the kingdom of hell. This is literally where the authority of the kingdom of God is basically given and many times Jesus says, you know, before 
this is, would happen, but now the Holy Spirit will come and then you will have, okay? And so we find in the Gospels the examples of what God has given to us, the church, when the church was revealed in Acts chapter 2. So that's the first man of the New Testament. Now the first mention of the church Jesus makes is found in Matthew 16. Let's read this. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's interesting what I'm trying to bring to you, and I am being prophetic here. It's interesting Jesus says the words gates of Hades when he mentions the church. So let's explain the gates of hell. What are the gates of hell? So first, you need to know what is a gate? What is a gate? Well, the answer to that, a gate is a stationary object designed to keep some people in and other people out. Does that make sense? Keep some people in, keep your dog in, whatever, and uh, some people out. So gates are stationary, they don't attack you. You have to go to the gate. Hmm. You never, ever have been chased by a gate, have you? The only time I can remember a Bible telling us in history of a gate attacking somebody is when Samson ripped the gate off and threw it at some. They won't come to you, you go to them. So in order to walk in victory, we're going to show you this next time together, but in order to walk in victory, you have to go to the gate. You don't wait for something to happen, something to fall apart, and when things fall apart, then say, oh my Lord, I'm being attacked by the enemy. No, you go to the gate. You know, you're the one in authority. You're the one in charge. You're the one that sees what's going on. You're the one that knows what's going on in your home. You know what's going on in your business. You know what's going on in areas of your life. And it's up to you to go to that gate, not the people, the gates of Hades, and knock that gate down. And loose those that are behind the gate that are bound and go in and take what has been stolen. So Jesus says, you are my church and you are going to attack the gates of hell and the gates of hell cannot withstand you. You have authority over the enemy. Stop saying the enemy has authority over you. Stop saying the authority has power over you. He does not. You have that authority. You have the power of God, the power of grace to walk in and through. And if you understand that, then you begin to see the things in your life that have fallen apart or how through generations of your families, uh, third and fourth generation, things going on, you have the power to go to the gates of Hades and stop it. So let me give you the second first. The nature of the church is a invasive, I-N-V-A-S-I-V-E, gate-taking force. In the first mention of the church, you are one that has power, authority. You are the one that has control. In this city, 
El Monte, in your city that you live in, there are people being held behind the gates of hell. They're being held behind the gates of hell in poverty, in addictions, in abuse, in deception, and in darkness. There is a, a road that in going to my wife's and my house, I can go many different ways, and one of the ways is off the 60, get off on Fullerton, and make a right and go down that road to Pathfinder. And in that time frame from there to Pathfinder, you find a cemetery on the right, and you find many religion churches on the left. Many religion churches on the left that do not proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. They might proclaim him as a prophet or a good guy, things like that, but they don't profess that. I told my wife many years ago when we moved out here, uh, I said, um, I like where we, we live, but I don't like one road to get there. Because when I drive every time on that road, I sense spiritual wickedness. I sense spiritual wickedness and death. I sense no hope. And so the picture that I see is you see them building all these innate buildings for their religion and their belief. And then you see one little Christian church in the middle of it, all surrounded by all the other religions that do not teach Christ. And I thought to myself, that is a total picture of in the world, the church does not know who they are. They seem small. You seem small. You feel like there's things you can't do. I'm talking about your personal life. You're thinking there are things that you can't do because, you know, this is who you are, this is how you were raised, and this is where you're at, this is your bank account, this is whatever. You can't do that. And that is a total picture where the enemy wants you to be bound. He wants you to be bound behind the gates of Hades. He wants you to be bound in these things of no hope. And so what I began to do about seven years ago, I don't do it all the time. I've, I, I only do it when I'm led. Because let me tell you, many times when I get on that road to drive the Pathfinder to go left, to go down a ways to my house, many times I've had to dodge cars that wanted to hit me. It's a spiritual wickedness. And they know because every time now when I drive down there, I'm praying in tongues. I'm coming against spiritual wickedness. I'm coming against the gates of Hades. Because I'm in warfare. And there are people that are bound in that area. You drive down in the little area, you, there are people that are bound. There are wonderful people there that are bound. And as a pastor, I want them loosed. I want them to see how great they are in the kingdom of God. And they could do great things for the kingdom of God, but they're bound. Down the street here, uh, down Santa Anita, past Garvio, a little ways down there. There's just one little spot. There was a witch that lived there for years. She's gone now. I kicked her out. She didn't know it was me. Because I prayed and I just spoke. I said, in Jesus' name, you return to the Lord. And the Lord even spoke to me and said, she used to serve me. 
but she wasn't getting the miracles she was believing for, so she went in to try to do the miracles herself. She became a witch. I don't know what took place. I don't, I don't know if the Lord uh, threw her on the other side of the world or whatever. I don't know what happened, but, but anyways, that's gone. So I drive down there. I don't sense that anymore. But I'm still going down Fullerton, and I'm still beating it up because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and I'm the church. So are you. So they're being held behind hell's gates, and the church alone has the authority to tear those gates down and take those people out. That's why we began, be, began Freedom Ministry, to set them free. It's not a program. It's a spiritual authority in the Word of God that will set us free. For those who are in Freedom Ministry, I want you to understand you are some of the greatest people in the world. And you have an ability to do great things. And the goal of anything that we do at Valley Community Church is to bring freedom of people from hell's gates. That's who you are. So let me tell you a truth. In any area of our country, if we decide to take it, we can. I'm not talking about militarily, physically. I'm talking about spiritually. If I talk like that and in Russia or talk like that in Cuba or, or, you know, all these other nations, Pakistan, Afghanistan, I'd be arrested, put in jail and probably had my head chopped off. Because it's your birthright. If you're a born-again believer, it's your birthright. You say, I want to help drug addicts. What program can I do to help drug addicts? Well, let me tell you, the gates of hell will not prevail against you if you'll just get on your face before God and begin to, to be in warfare. Get ready, get set, and go, and tear up hell and release those drug addicts from their bondage to drugs. You say, I want to do something regarding poverty. Programs are great, but those programs will always be there and will never give an answer to the answer of poverty, because the answer to poverty is breaking down the gates of hell because it won't prevail against you, and you begin to do that in a spiritual realm. Mayor Gloria was here in the first ser service. We have a couple other mayors of other cities that come and visit periodically, and I want you to understand in the second service, and I, I don't see them today, and I want you to understand that God is doing some miraculous things, but you are the person, the church, that can defeat it if you will take it in a spiritual way and begin to defeat that. This goes along with your children. You are a child of God, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And if you are a parent, you could take your children and you can defeat the works of the enemy and they can rise up and become everything God's called them to be. But we have forgotten, church. We have forgotten in this world who we are. We're not building for war. Many instances in churches we are building for potlucks and getting our clocks cleaned out. So let me tell you how to win. You still with me? I know we don't have the TV in front of you, but that's why sometimes I walk over here, everybody's looking at the screen. Here I am. <laughs> we'll have that next week. Let me just tell you, you need to want people more than Satan wants them. 
We have a lot of teachers in here. You need to want those children more than you want your program. We study hard and we're great teachers. I study hard as a pastor. But I need to want people to be saved and transformed by the renewing of their mind more than I want to know how to teach. You get what I'm talking about? Education is great. I'm talking about study, work hard, be the best you can be. But I'm telling you, we need to want our school children more than the world wants them. We need to want our own children more than, than the enemy wants them. We need to want that success in our business for the kingdom of God more than just for our own bank account. Because the devil wants people. The devil knows he cannot attack God, but he knows if he attacks people and he binds them up behind his gates, it breaks God's heart. You know why it breaks God's heart? First of all, because he loves people. Second of all, because he gave every one of those people, persons, authority to defeat the work of the enemy. Church, the devil hates children. Even in the mother's womb, he wants those kids. Just like Israel. Israel was a nation of God and God's people. And all of a sudden, they, they got into religion and their own programs and developed their own thinking and their own thing. And so before you knew it, they were worshiping other gods and they were throwing their children off a cliff into a fire. America is doing the same thing. Killing millions of children every single year. Whoever wants those children most is going to get them. And I guess the enemy wants children more. Because millions and millions of children have been killed. Church, I want you to know this. It's prophetically speaking. The church has to outthink Satan. The church has to outspend Satan. We need to outwork him, and we need to outfight him. So my statement is this. We will not let the devil have our cities, which are people. This is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Cities that you live in are some of the most beautiful cities in the world. And we need to take it by force. Not with signs above our head, but with prayer and the power of the word of God and faith. And we need to begin to walk in that area and begin to do that. When I call for prayer, we need to run to the church to pray. When we talk about the healing house, we talk about all these things, we need to get to a place in our life that we will be there because we want to see people healed. 
If we want to be relevant to the world, we need miracles. If we want to be relevant to the world, we need prosperity. I'm not talking about get rich quick. I'm not talking about, you know, your banks have a lot of money. I'm talking about that you walk in love, that you're walking in peace, that you're walking in all this. Even in spite of the attacks of the enemy, even in spite of the junk that's going on in our lives, we need to walk in victory and touch others. People need to be more important to us than ourselves. We talk about outreach. Well, yes, let's go ahead and get some flyers and pass them out. There's nothing wrong with that. So don't walk away from here thinking, Pastor says don't do that in outreach. Let me tell you the greatest outreach that will impact more lives and you will be significant in the kingdom of God and in this world is to extend beyond yourself. In doing so, you reproduce yourself in others. That you become a person that is more concerned about what's going on in other people's lives than yourselves. Because remember, the principle of the kingdom is give and it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. I want a running over life, don't you? I didn't say I want to be runned over. I want a running over life. I want to have everything that God has promised, don't you? And you know how to get it? By being a, war, a person of warfare and knocking down the gates of hell because you care more about others and what's going on in other people's lives. Amen? Hmm. So let me ask you this. What is the greatest problem in your city? What is the greatest problem in your home? Don't tell me your spouse. So let me just put it a different way. What is the gates of hell in your city? What is the gates of hell in your home? What is there that can only be defeated spiritually? If there's struggle in finances, it's not having more finances. Let me just tell you, they, they did a study and, and they said, if, if in the world that everybody was given the same amount of money, within 10 years, 5% of the people would have most of the money again. And the reality is, it, it's not something that just falls in your lap, it's something that you defeat. So you begin to move into an area and you begin to work in your life and you begin to be the person that God's called you to be. You be that example. You be a learner. You be a disciple. You begin to do the things that God's called you to do and when you do those things, then the gates of hell will, be, will fall down and all those that were bound around you, family members, neighbors, school, uh, you know, co-workers, bosses, employees, they will begin to be released and in freedom. That's the heart of God. That's what we are as the church. The third first, we won't take much longer, the third first is the first mission of the church is to use our authority God gave us. Luke 10, verse 17 through 20, remember this story? Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 
Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Let me, just, let me just translate that. I want you to hear this. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And we all go, oh, wouldn't that be great just to see that. You know what he said? I saw this authority given by God. And he said, when I saw that, I saw the authority of God given. I gave you authority. Authority means is exousia. It means the divine right to rule. You have the divine God-given right to rule those situations that have been beating you up. You have the divine right to do this thing. Pastor, well, how do I do that? Stick with me. I'll show you how. The Bible tells us how. It's not my idea. It's God's. So you have the divine right to rule over serpents, which is the devil, scorpions, devil's power, all his little wimps that he's got around him, all the power. In other words, you take it by force. How do you take the power? How do you defeat that power? You take it by force. You have the authority and the power. Nothing shall by any means harm you. The fighting the devil, I'm scared. Nothing shall by any means harm you. That's what Jesus said to the church. So the question is, if Jesus gave that authority, why are so many Christians getting hammered? I mean, didn't Jesus give us the authority? Why are so many Christians being hammered? Well, let me show you this. Is we forgot who we were. And we are not using the authority that we have. Church, we are not a feel-good social club. We are the army of God. We are the army of God. A lot of us, because we, we, we can't picture this spiritual warfare, we're only thinking nuclear bombs, guns, knives, clubs, whatever. It is a spiritual battle. And it's one that you win because you are more than a conqueror. Jesus Christ has already won the victory. We just take the authority we've been given and walk in that victory. The enemy is not going to go, oh, no. During worship, they got excited about God. Here, have everything I stole. You're not going to do that. You know what he's going to do? He's going to put his heels in. I'm going to make them take it. And from the beginning of John the Baptist first, first New, New Testament man, till today and till Jesus returns, we take it by force. We take it by force. One more first, the fourth one, is the first mandate. Here's the first mandate. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 and 26. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Church, listen very closely. This, in the Greek text, is called a comparative statement. 
Jesus would never tell us to hate our families. He says, I am not going to compete for your affection. In comparison to me, I don't want anyone, mother, father, wife, husband, child, to be close to me being first in your life. My wife was sitting, she's being grandma now, my wife was sitting in the first service and and I said, I, I want you to understand that I love my wife, but I love God more. And I want to tell you how much I love my wife, but it's not even close to how much I love God. But because I love God the way I do, I'm head over heels in love with my wife. And she sits right there, second seat. That's what God is saying. I don't want anybody even close to you being faithful to me, to you loving me, being obedient to the things I ask you to do. Your tenants of church, your giving, everything. I don't want anybody, businesses, jobs, bills, nothing, anything, your car, your house, nothing to be as close. You can love your car, you can love your house. God says, I, I will give you a house and land. I promise you that, but that is not even close to how much you love God. Here's what he's saying to, to us. Now, I know he has asked me to do some of this through the years. He's asked me, why do you have that car? Well, so I can drive it to school and drive it to the church and drive it. Why do you have that car? God, are you getting older? You can't hear. No, just kidding. No, because I, I need to go to work. I need to, you know, type of thing, right? He says, do you love that car? I said, I don't really love my car, but it's good. He says, I want you to give it away. Okay? First time he asked me that, I said, okay, if I do, what are you going to do? What are you going to give me after that? You know? You know, I mean, we're all learning, aren't we? We're all growing areas of our life. And so, finally, I did. And I promise you, there are things that he's asked me to do. He even asked me, I used to be a singer. I used to sing a lot. I used to travel in quartets. I used to sing solos on KFSG radio, live programs, different things, years ago. One day, the Lord asked me no longer to do that. He says, I want to prove to you, if I do that, I will always give you singers and worship leaders. I used to lead worship all the time. And he said, if you will do this, I will always give you worship leaders. I will always give you singers. I will always give you musicians to do the work of the ministry that you were doing. I've never seen a lack of that. Never seen a lack. Oh, it's always been there. It's always been there. Because why? Because he's first. Nothing else comes close. He says, I am not going to compete for your affection. In comparison to me, I don't want anyone to be close to me being first in your life. Verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple, a learner. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? 
whether he has enough to finish it. Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Verse 31. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace, speaking of wisdom. To likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he, uh, he has cannot be my disciple. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus said as many were willing, you know, and walking behind him, that many of the people following him don't know why. One time he, he, was, he was talking and, and big crowds, and basically what he was saying, I'm going to use other words, he says, why are they here? Why are they here? And said, well, because um, they like you, Jesus. No, why are they here? He's bottom, bottom line saying this, why do you do what you do? What purpose is there of why you do what you do? And that's what he was saying, that there are a lot of people who are struggling and wanting the answer from God. And God says, I've given you authority. You take care of it. You do this thing. And he says, when you do this thing, I will make sure my word comes to pass. But what purpose is there? God, help me to win the lottery. Why? Well, I'll give the church a little bit. I'll give my family a little bit. No, money becomes bigger than God. And you wonder why they spend thousands of dollars on lottery tickets and never win. Now, some of you are going, Pastor, are you saying gambling's okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just giving you an example. I can't tell you how many people in church says, hey, if I win the lottery, I'll buy you a building. <sighs> okay. If I win the lottery, I'll, you know, okay. You must know why you are doing what you're doing. You must know why your children will be freed up. You must know because there's a purpose. We just did a young man dedication. I didn't want to say baby dedication. We just did a young man dedication today. And there is purpose in that. Man, that, that young man, you know, family, all of us, we all have a call. But I'll tell you what, your son's got an anointing upon him. Just sit back and watch what God's going to do in his life. And we need to know if we're going to pray and defeat gates, the gates of Hades, what is the purpose of that? What do we need to free up? What about your child? What about your sister? What about your brother? You and I are designed to go from this place, this church, this building, and being faithful in attendance, but giving and have great love for one another. When I leave this place, I always say, Lord, I have had the greatest time of my life because this is what I'm called to do. But Lord, why did you give me this, and what do I need to do when I go to that grocery store? 
What do I need to do when I go to my house? What do I need to do when I'm driving down the road? When I'm driving down Fullerton and I'm sensing wickedness? It's not talking about people, I'm talking about Satan. I'm talking about spiritual wickedness. What do I do? What's the purpose of praying? What's the purpose? What is the reason for that? And God is giving us real purpose. Next week, I'm going to show you those purposes. So we go out, we outreach, and we conquer, and we win souls and homes for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the main purpose. Love God with all our heart. Love people with all our heart. There's greater purpose than of ourselves, and we reach out to people. Every one of you need to be inviting people to the Bible studies. Every one of you need to be inviting people to church. Well, they always tell me no. Well, then ask God for a miracle. When they come in sick, say, oh, that's nothing to God. In Jesus' name, be well. Boom. I want to go to that church. Amen? Let's all stand.